If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. Isn't this a sports show? <clears throat> We're here for a, uh, a one-on-one interview with our friend Travis Kelsey. Travis, I know you listen to a lot of almost entirely sports. What do you think about Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly? Um... I mean, I don't think they suck. I can tell tell you that. Thank you, Travis. Almost entirely. I did the best I could. That's our new tagline. It's almost entirely sports on Sports Radio 810. I did the best I could. (laughs) This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Hey, Beardsman, where's your Pokeball? So Rudy and I have our Pokeballs out. What? Beards, where's yours? Beards, take your Pokeball out. Come on, it's not, it's not as much fun if we don't all have our Pokeballs out. I haven't bought mine yet. Take the show with you by listening on the Sports Radio 810 mobile app at 810whb.com or by searching for Almost Entirely Sports wherever you get your podcasts. I love walking into a Home Depot and go down the woods section. This is Almost Entirely Sports on Sports Radio 810WHB. Hello, welcome in to Almost Entirely Sports. Tonight might be a little bit of a weird one. You might be thinking, Josh, why would you ever need to warn us that it might be a weird version of Almost Entirely Sports? And some of you may know that whenever I have to give that sort of warning, it it means there's something like, you know, not our normal version of weird. And so that's kind of where we are here tonight. Uh, Joshua Briscoe speaking directly into your ears right now. Rudy Salazar making the whole show happen. Uh, we'll have a couple of guests tonight, both uh, our usual Tuesdays at 9 o'clock with our dear friend Seth Kaiser of the Chief of the North newsletter. We'll talk to him coming up at 9. And then shortly we'll be joined by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Usually he joins us on Monday, but no Monday last night with the NBA Finals rolling on. And uh, we we were able to have a little Matt Derrick Tuesday workout for us here tonight. Um, But I'm also not going to totally try to make all of these times totally make sense, uh, as I will explain here. So um, if you're tuning in because, I don't know, Orlando Brown Jr. showed up to uh, to Chiefs mandatory mini camps in a hot air balloon, or because the Chiefs, after signing Jarek McKinnon, cut Clyde Edwards-Elair, or, I don't know, if we discovered aliens within the last couple of hours, you won't hear any mention of that here on tonight's show because um, this isn't totally uncommon in the radio world, but I don't like having to do it, and so I'm giving you the full warning today. Um, tonight's Tuesday show was made on a Monday, being particularly yesterday. As uh, you hear this now, I am either in Wichita or on my way back from Wichita or... Um, Somewhere thereabouts, I guess it's hard to predict the future present. Yeah, we do a lot of the space-time continuum stuff on AES whenever we have to record things. Um, but as you, you may have seen on uh, Twitter or across social media recently, or may not have, um, I've uh, been up and down to Wichita a couple of times these last few days because we, uh, we lost my grandma. One of my grandmas, my, uh, my dad's mom, passed uh, early on, uh, on Friday morning in which a few years of difficult health, many decades of wonderful life. Um, I, I will probably not make you sit through a, a full eulogy um, that, uh, you know, for a, a woman that you most likely did not know, but I might give you a, a brief bit of it. Um, her name was Wilma Briscoe. We called her Grammy. She was our Grammy. 
Uh, and we got a chance. Renee and I had a chance to get down there. Also, the reason we had no AES on Thursday. Um, just thought we were going to get a chance to maybe go down. We knew things were not going great health-wise. We ch- tried to go down uh, on, on Friday or Saturday. But on Thursday, it, it was becoming more clear that things were becoming more um, urgent time-wise, I suppose. So uh, we had a chance to, to get down there on Thursday and, and be with family and uh, kind of say goodbyes and, and whatnot. And then very early Friday morning, she passed. Renee and I were, were back in Kansas City and then uh, made the trip down for the um, the services and whatnot this morning, being Tuesday morning. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of thought that I would have to figure out how to navigate this first segment, and it's going even worse than I planned. <laughs> but I, I will say that um, if you have ever enjoyed this show or my sense of humor, uh, Grammy at one point, one of the only really times she'd, she, she had a chance to speak with, uh, with Renee, uh, claimed credit for where, where I got my ornery streak. She said that came from her, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that she's right. So if, you, uh, if you've enjoyed any of this show and the weird things that have come from it or uh, any of the, uh, the sense of humor that I have gotten, both nature and nurture and, and whatever, whatever other means, uh, in large part, I, I certainly thank uh thank Wilma Briscoe for uh for providing that again being a, a relentlessly funny sarcastic and competitive person while also being a tremendously loving one um it's it's funny cuz a lot of us were telling our stories and and even talking to some of the nurses and stuff for um the the place she'd been at for a little while as her health had been difficult and a lot of people had great stories about her just being generally profane in their general direction and uh, I was, we were driving back, uh, Renee and I were driving back, and I, I kind of took a moment with Renee, like, hey, you didn't know her that well or for that long. Again, her, her health had not been great for a while. Um, but you should know that when everybody tells these stories with a full smile on their face about being called a little bleep, um, which is my favorite term of endearment that uh, Nathan, my my slightly younger cousin the second oldest of the of the group i'm i'm the oldest of the grandkids and nathan was second uh the two of us would would play cards with our whole family big big playing card family big 31 family but uh we would play 31 or skip bow or whatever and then see who uh who grammy would call a little bleep first i will say that uh, on the whole nathan definitely had the the higher final score that is a tough one for me to swallow but nathan was more of a little bleep than i was i mean i just game recognized game but uh, everyone had stories like that about her always coming from a legit place of love. That's what I was telling Renee. I was like, hey, just so you know, she wasn't some, like, cruel lady who just berated people like uh, like BoJack Horseman's mom in the TV show BoJack Horseman. No, not, not that at all. Um, it, it's a, a kind of, of love and of sense of humor and, again, competitiveness. I remember playing against her and, and her friends and, and my grandpa and his friends. At 31, uh, my grandpa would, you know, was a, was a was a more gracious game player. Grammy was going for the dub every time. You had money on the table. You're gonna just let these little kids, these little bleeps, take your quarters or take your dollar bills playing 31? Absolutely not. I think it was we played with dimes for a while. Then we eventually graduated to quarters. I'm not sure I've ever played 31 with dollar bills to this day, actually. Um, but yeah, I just it's been good to have uh, places to um, to share our fond memories and and everything and. Uh, I don't, 
necessarily know that I've got any grand lesson for you to learn from me on this front. I don't I don't know that I've got anything for you. I think this may have just been one of many very selfish opens to almost entirely sports, but um, that's why we had a, a late scratch for a regularly planned show on, on Thursday and um, why tonight's is going to be a little bit different just in uh, in terms of you know if anything wild happened we won't have any audio from today's press conferences because today is Tuesday but it's kind of Monday to me and you know all of those moving parts but uh, also very thankful for everybody at 810 um, particularly Rudy who's also making this happen tonight but everybody at 810 who who gave us a chance to to sprint down there on Thursday and then also that we're able to to be down there today and not have to worry about this show tonight by by uh, basically piecing it together on Monday, sort of how that all works. So that's how the sausage all got made today. Again, I know that lots and lots and lots of radio shows will play you previously recorded stuff, and sometimes we even do it for a segment or two if we need to um, and not have to address it. But today's kind of different because it's the whole show and um, just the two hours as, as usual on a Tuesday. Matt and Seth, I figured no one would complain about the uh, the guest lineup today, but... Um, that's where, that's what I've been doing these last few days and kind of what the deal is here today. And then no AES schedule till Friday. So if anything crazy happens this week, I'll be out at chiefs practice on Wednesday. We'll have more mini camps and pressers on Thursday. And then on Friday, we'll be back to, to bring you the best of the audio and stuff we thought was interesting and all of that. But, uh, again, a little, a little different today because this week has been a little different. Um, I guess one thing I did have the thought of that I figured I would share as, um, many of you. Almost all of you, most likely, have have some point of reference for this. Um, but I've been lucky enough to have three of my grandparents alive for uh, the last dozen years or so. Lost my grandma, my dad's side, back in two thousand and excuse me, my, my grandpa on my mom's side, uh, my mom's dad, back in in two thousand and nine. I was younger then, and sort of assumed that would be the hardest time to lose a grandparent. But uh, even though, even though Grammy, as we called her. It's also weird to say Grammy to a bunch of strangers that don't really need to hear any of this. Maybe it's oversharing. I don't know. Um, but her, again, with with her not being in very good health for a few years and, and, you know, kind of always thinking, hey, we don't know when we'll, you know, have another Thanksgiving or, or Christmas or, or whatever it may be together. Uh, I honestly kind of thought that maybe I would be a little more prepared for kind of some of the things that have, have bubbled up over this last week or so. And I wasn't, <laughs> apparently. Um, and so if, I don't know, everybody, something bad happens and then everyone says, hey, go love your, go hug your loved ones or tell people you love them or, or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that comes honestly to people who are kind of having those realizations. I feel very lucky that we made it down to, to kind of say goodbyes and whatnot, um, despite her not being in a great place at that point. And, and lots of people might not get the chance to, so I don't know. I uh, More of this is to sort out in therapy than to set, sort out in the, the first hour of an AES, but uh, I appreciate the understanding of, of course, everyone at 810 and of you listening, because I, I don't think anyone's going to hold against me that we had to run a, a show that didn't have every detail of a, of a Tuesday. Um, I don't, I don't, again, I don't expect to get any angry mentions on Twitter, because not every breath of tonight's show, or any breath of tonight's show, is live. But I, I wanted to acknowledge that um and uh maybe also explain why i've never been able to stop being competitive at cards it was instilled in me very early on that if i wanted those quarters i was gonna have to win so appreciate everyone who has made these last uh, few days a little easier including tonight 
We will have AES all night here. Again, all new, fresh content. Matt Derrick, Seth Kaiser. Just, we needed to record it yesterday, so I had a chance to, to be with my family uh, this morning when I really needed to be. So, appreciate everyone who made that a little easier. And uh, that starts with Matt Derrick and with Seth Kaiser. And you might think, Josh, are you going to try to segue into talking about Tyree Kill's podcast or, or Orlando Brown Jr.'s contract or the Chiefs signing Jarek McKinnon? No, I don't think I am. No, I don't. I don't think that this segue is going to. <laughs> I don't think this segue is going to work. So uh, I will. I'll tell you. We'll talk plenty today with Matt and with Seth, and I'll talk about it some myself. We will talk about Jarek McKinnon and uh, Tyreek Hill's podcast and um, Orlando Brown Jr. and all of that. But um, that can wait. At least another commercial break or so. So thank you again for those who've reached out and given their love and condolences and whatnot. We will resume your show as uh, as regularly scheduled. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with our dear friend Matt Derrick with ChiefsDigest.com. Thank you for indulging me these last several minutes. But in all honesty, uh, you've, you as a listener of Almost Entirely Sports have been indulging me for years now, so maybe I shouldn't be so surprised. You are listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Rainbows have nothing to hide. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've already kind of explained how with the, the all the multiverses that we love here on Almost Entirely Sports and the way that the space-time continuum very much can fold and have a whole punch through and all of that good stuff that you've learned from sci-fi, sometimes the days and the times and the weeks and the years, really, uh, all end up in sort of this multiversal jumble. And that's what's happening today as Matt Derrick joins us on a Monday, on a Tuesday. It's a Matt Derrick Monday. It's all ChiefsDigest.com, though. I don't. Depending on what day, you could be listening to this podcast on Thursday, for all I know. And still, you're going to have great stuff to get at ChiefsDigest.com digest.com and great things to hear right now from our friend matt derrick hey matt thanks for uh, jumping through uh, space and time with me today well absolutely and just so everyone knows my my notes and observations and analysis will be just as dated on a tuesday as they were on a monday so <laughs> well look i mean that's the fun and the magical magical fun of otas and mini camps and all of the you know various shenanigans that um again we will i, I guess just sort of dive about Are, have you uh, have you seen doctor strange in the multiverse of madness have you have you dove into any other multiversal sort of uh, uh fiction or or you know based on a true story at this point I have I have not seen is 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 the movie based on a true story? Um, I mean, I think that depends on if you would ask Rudy or not. Like, I would say no, and Rudy would say there's no. See, way. I didn't realize it was a documentary. But. Well, so here's the thing: if the multiverse is real, then I guess in one of those multiverses, so are the Avengers. Uh, yes, I mean, well, I mean, uh, possibly. That's the thing is that I, I, I think I can buy, I can buy into the multiverse because, to a degree, there is a scientific rationalization, uh-huh. even if that scientific rationalization is way over my head. Uh huh. I mean, I don't understand Einstein and everything like that, so I'm, I'm not doing the calculations on this. Sure. But it seems very unlikely that if you have a, a infinite number of universes, there are not Avengers in all of them. I mean, no, there's a pretty good chance there's only Avengers in like a handful of them. Oh, definitely. So, definitely. So, so, I mean, even then, I mean, it's like, you know, one in a million, you know, chance of beating Thanos. I mean, there are 13 million, whatever it was that Doctor Strange said. I mean, 
I mean, I, 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 hey, if it was if it was that many out of an infinite number of universes, that's actually not that many universes. So, okay, so I have I've thought about this many times. I'm gonna I don't know why this is the time to do it, but I'm really feeling it today, and I feel like you're with me on this. So I would like to propose a question that I think is going to someone out there's day is going to legitimately be almost ruined, if not completely ruined, by this question. But then I have a, a, a counterpoint that I think will make it at least a little better. If you do believe in this idea of, let's call it infinite universes, but, you know, if you want to put an enormous number on it for the sake of just rationalizing it, because infinity is a difficult subject, if you want to say there are a trillion universes, if you just take the ones that you exist in, you know, as some version of yourself, do you think that you are living the very best version of yourself? Do you think this is somewhere on the better side of a coin flip? Is this a bad outcome for your existence? Matt, your thoughts? Maybe not even for yours personally, but what that thought process might Man, do to someone. This is the kind of question that Tyreek Hill needs to ask on this podcast. Thank I mean, that's, it needed to be said, Matt. That's what I need to hear from Drew, Drew Rosenhaus and Tyreek Hill, but which, you know, multi... There's no doubt. I mean, this is, well, I don't know. It's not a great multiverse for Tyreek, but it's been a pretty good... I mean, it's been a lucrative multiverse for him. Definitely a lucrative multiverse. For absolutely. me, I mean, I gotta, I gotta think this is probably run-of-the-mill. I mean, you know, this is probably... <laughs> this, this universe is probably my most likely outcome. It's yeah. not my best outcome. It's not my worst. I mean, I'm sure that there's one in which I'm very at star, very Star Trekish, and I'm in the mm. Terran Empire, and I'm torturing people or something. But is that I, a pro or a con? Well, I, it depends on how <laughs> high up I am on the ladder. I mean, okay. if I was okay, if I was, you know, if I was, you know, head of state or something in the Terran <laughs> universe, then yeah, that'd be okay, I guess, despite the torturing part. <laughs> But so what I, mean, I figured out for you is the main thing you're missing in this universe is torture. Well, it's not my, as I said, it's not my optimal outcome. My deepest, darkest fear in my heart, though, is that's what I would be best at. Oh, wow. Oh, good God. Oh, geez, you know, Matt. Kind of like that, uh, yeah, that, that the, what, the Stanford study or whatever, you know, yeah. eventually you can be, you can always be pushed to torture. I mean, right. that terrifies me, but sure. my deepest, darkest, you know, fear is that I'd be really good at it. You know, well, that's that's fascinating. That, well, I would, so, that would be that would be good at something that I, you know, that is horribly reprehensible to me. Right. Well, that's such an interesting this. I all of a sudden do feel like I've posed a question that I am deeply unqualified to then help you continue navigating because that was not an answer that I was um, prepared for. You could say so. Like, I don't know how to talk you into, you know, maybe your own core goodness as a human being. I would say I would tell you this, just the version in this universe that I know of you. I, I think I would have you certainly in my like bottom third most likely to enjoy torturing other people for fun like of everyone that i know like i think a, you are in the back in the back third that is very kind of you and i i take that as a compliment i mean it as one <laughs> i do i really do um all right well that's here's my here's my little pick me up for anybody who might be now going through that that thought process or i guess just for you if you think about it in big enough numbers, in all, in almost every multiverse, we don't exist. Like, maybe all of humanity, or just us, the individual people. Like, the random numbers of, like, genetic, absolute slot machine winning we would have had to have done, you know, to replicate this somewhere else, is infinitesimal. And most of those universes are probably covered in, like, molten lava, I would think. So, anyone with, like, technology to listen to a radio show or podcast, I feel like you're in the top maybe the top 10%, really, if you think about it, just because of the state of the world. But also that, you know, can sort of depend on your view of the state of the world, I suppose. 
you know, if we keep going down this road, eventually we're going to be, you know, arguing about, you know, whether we would ride, rather fight one duck-sized horse or 100 <laughs> horse-sized ducks. Or I got those two reversed, by the way, on purpose. So. Good. I don't want to fight any of them. And, um, and I, again, once again, I don't think you do either because I, I think in your heart of heart, you don't want to fight people or ducks or horses of any size. Exactly. Um, so that's, I'm in that bottom third that does not want to fight a duck or a horse. I think that's a good place to be. Uh, I've got two things for you that, that are we've already touched on because we just couldn't help ourselves. I've got, I've got one thing that I want to know if you've thought about and then one very big question. The very big question is, upon further review, did it need to be say, said? Did it need to be said? Yeah, did they need to say it? Did it, in fact, it needed to be said? And the second point is this one. Have you considered, as I have, that Tyreek Hill presumably was paying someone to do the filming and the editing and the recording of all of this? They release all of the snippets of the podcasts to get all the hype going. And then they live stream release it at 6 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> it was literally a Friday news dump. If that would have came out Monday morning at 9 a.m., it might have led first take. What are we? What happened there? Do you think? And did it in fact need to be said? Uh, for well, no one, nothing, no, nothing on the podcast really needed to be said. So we can set that aside. And, okay. and I have a pretty good, shit, pretty, pretty good idea going forward that there's not going to be a whole lot that needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was, gosh, there was a, there were a lot of things that were incredibly on brand. Yes, in in that podcast, yeah. I mean, for, starting first and foremost with you know Drew Rosenhaus, agent to the stars. Um, driving in the the family station wagon from Yale, Connecticut to LaGuardia, you know, can't even take the time to be, you know, pulled off to the side of the road or in a hotel or, you know, in the family room. No, it's busy guy. He's got to be driving through Connecticut. The The only thing that would have been more on, only thing that would have been more on brand is if he'd been antiquing in Connecticut, you know, (laughs) while on the podcast. (laughs) And, uh, you know, also uh, very on brand to me is that uh, Ty's best friend and co-host is his lawyer. Mm-hmm. That's a man who spends a lot of time with his lawyer. <laughs> it's a man who apparently spends a lot more time with his lawyer than I do because I don't have a lawyer. And so, but, I mean, Josh, if you went to law school, became my lawyer, you could also be my podcast host. So I love that. That that's a that's an, a career arc I'm loving the idea of. Um, yeah. Also, it is funny that 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 being that being said, um, that wasn't even a play on the title. That being said, which is my podcast about it needed to be said. It's called That Being Said. Um, his his lawyer didn't help put him in a lot of good looking spots. I would say over the course of the show, but uh, and we don't we won't spend the whole time here by any means. But I will say that. There was more that was said, I think, than I expected. Partially the hilarious bits of um, Tyreek about to, you know, getting ready to answer a question and then Drew Rosenhaus coming swooping in and then giving a nice five minute monologue that's vaguely related. Like that, some of those moments comedically, I honestly thought were kind of exceptional. Um, there, there was some good hashtag content within all of that. But but did you did you actually learn anything uh, about the trade process, the contract negotiations, where things broke down? Did did any of it strike you as interesting w- in your newsiest, chiefiest reporter hat? Yeah, I mean it, it does. I mean especially because you know obviously I've I've heard certain things from the other side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Now players who are involved, the, pe- the key people involved in the other side of the equation in this negotiations haven't talked publicly, so. You know, we don't really have anything on the record, but I can safely say there's two sides to every story. 
And Tyreek and Drew Rosenhaus certainly present one side. And mm-hmm. I think there's kernels of truth, just as though, you know, things that I've heard on the other side, there's probably kernels of truth. And where's the truth? Somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I, there was a, there were several things that stood out to me, though, that I think we did learn. And, you know, one was that, you know, I, I had mentioned in the, the Tyron Matthew the situation that I almost felt like in retrospect, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because Tyron Matthew just seemed, you know, with it, what he said after the fact was that, you know, it was so much in his head during the season that he wasn't going to be back again, that it, that kind of creeped into everything that happened, that he played and maybe handled himself like somebody who didn't think he was going to be back with his team again. And, and as a result, it happened that way, you know, that maybe just the psychological nature of having that in his mind played a factor in that, you know, manifesting itself. Mm-hmm. And that kind of felt the same way because was Tyreek Hill underutilized? Was he not taken advantage of in every situation last year? I can't make a case. The guy had more targets, he had more receptions than any other year in his career. And this was all while playing about 40 fewer snaps than he did the season before. Mm. I mean, I can't make a case that the Chiefs just didn't take advantage of him. And, and, and he felt like apparently throughout the entire season that that he was you know being overlooked and that he wasn't being respected. And that's where I think that this whole thing really goes back to. I think yeah. that, that, that Tyreek Hill breaking up with the Chiefs probably goes back to 2019 and him signing that contract then, because that contract that he signed in 2019 with what the situation where it was, was an extremely team-friendly contract. Mm. And when and when Tyreek and Drew talked about that contract on this podcast, it was pretty clear that Tyreek felt like he overperformed that contract. And that certainly the last year of the contract was he was by that point, which you know this year would have been the final year of that deal, that he was no longer being respected by that contract. And honestly, I mean, I think the case could be said that the Chiefs at the time did what they had to do as a business standpoint. They had a player that they loved that we thought was great. They wanted to keep him along, but he'd had some off the field issues that reduced his value. They took advantage of it and signed him to a below market deal. And you know what? Tyreek signed it because he knew what position he was in. And he kind of, you know, he took it because it was probably the best deal he was going to get. But I think it was pretty clear, you know, from listening to that, that, you know, when Ty, Tyreek's talking about feeling disrespected by the Chiefs, I think it probably goes back to that contract. And it certainly goes back to, I think, probably Drew Rosenhaus putting it a little bit into his head mm. that the numbers were disrespecting him. But, you know, because at the end, I mean, there's a lot of things in the podcast that were said that I don't, need, don't know if they needed to be said. <laughs> but I think, you know, we're very contradictory. I mean, you know, it wasn't about the money. But you know what? Kind of about the money. Yeah. And there was, I mean, and, and there was, and hey, I can't, I can't begrudge Drew Rosenhaus because he did his job. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he almost gave away the game completely because he didn't come out and say it, but parsing it and reading between the lines, he basically came out and said, hey, making 30 million in Kansas City and 30 million a year in Miami aren't the same thing mm-hmm. because Kansas City's got Patrick Mahomes and, Ty- and Travis Kelsey and Miami now has Tyreek Hill and a few million more people. The marketing opportunities for and the, the the opportunity to build his brand that Tyreek doesn't care about, but Drew does care about, mm-hmm. are much greater in Miami. 
I, I think all of that specifically through the lens of even you know I don't know if you say that that Tyreek doesn't care about that a little a little tongue in cheek perhaps considering how he's talking about it or maybe he really doesn't care about it and Rosenhaus has just sort of gotten that ball rolling but um, if a full two week long rollout of the debut episode of a podcast isn't a, a sign that the brand is a big deal um, and even talking about like you said kind of the idea of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey here are, are one and two and. Um, that's interesting. I, here's my last thing. Did you anywhere throughout the last couple of weeks, did your opinion change at all on what the Chiefs did in terms of did they do something? Did they make a misstep somewhere that cost them? Or do you believe now more strongly than previously that they timed things out pretty well? Is there any real change in how you view the, the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill's relationship now with a, a little more in the rear view? I do not know if there's a single thing that the Chiefs could have done to avoid this. Yeah. I mean, if maybe the only thing they possibly could have done is maybe a year ago decided, you know what, Tyreek, we know this was a below market contract. Let's tear it up. Let's go ahead and give you a brand new deal. They weren't really in a position to do that a year ago either, because obviously they were trying to rebuild the offensive line. They were they had some things to do with the cap. Yeah, I mean, they could have, you know, you can always punt some cap money down the road. But remember, I mean, Tyreek had a really friendly cap deal. Yep. So, you know, it was something that you kind of didn't want to touch. But I think that once they got once they got to the offseason this year, once you get to February, probably the only thing that you could have done was just to sign Tyreek to a deal as quickly as possible. And if I'm Drew Rosenhaus, I don't want any part of that. I want to wait until Devontae Adams gets done. I want to wait until some other things get done because once that happens, then you've got all the leverage in the world to either get Tyreek his money or get him a deal where he can get his money. I don't know in retrospect if there's anything that the Chiefs could have done differently that would have kept Tyreek. I mean, like I said, unless they had torn up the deal and given him money last year, I think could have gotten it done. Once they got to this year's offseason, I think the die was cast. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. think there was anything that they could have done differently. Like I said, I mean, even if they had come back at the last hour and offered to match everything and said, yeah, we're going to give you $30 million a year, it still might not have been enough. And, and then they would have been, at that point, that would have been a really bad cap decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly the Chiefs had a price that they were willing to go. And, hey, if it had gotten done at that, I think they would have been happy. But they were never going to sign Tyreek at $30 million. So if you're not going to, and you get the, the haul you did, I mean, in the multiverse of madness, <laughs> this was probably about the most optimal outcome. I, I think that the, the scenario where Tyreek Hill is a chief in 2023 is like maybe one. That's mm. how, I mean, I just don't know if there were a lot of scenarios where it, this marriage was going to last. Yeah, I I think I have I have been sort of drifting more towards that, which I think maybe may, look maybe it did need to be said if if that has helped pull some some pieces together. Um, let's talk about somebody who did stick around with the Chiefs, though. Were you surprised? Uh, pretty early, somewhat early Monday morning, m Monday pre afternoon, I suppose. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's return to the Chiefs is reported, and you know, obviously Isaiah Pacheco is sort of the new guy in the backfield, but Darrell Williams to Arizona, kind of Rudy Lair is uh, going into year three they brought in Ronald Jones earlier in the offseason Derek Gore is still around uh, I, I think there's some interesting things to look at within that running back room but but were you surprised to see McKinnon come back and, and what do you expect now from that group 
It was a mild surprise only because, you know, you kind of get the feeling that if it's going to happen, it would have happened by now. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. you know, mid-June, you know, veteran minicamp. So you would have thought, yeah, if he was going to come back, it would have been done. Um, but, I mean, it, it certainly makes sense from a standpoint. He's that, you know, you, you can't have enough bodies at running back and especially affordable bodies. Yep. And McKinnon knows the offense, and I think he's a really good fit. I mean, he, he does some nice things. I mean, he's not going to be a – every down running back but hey he can give you a few snaps he can fill in when needed i mean he's 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 a pure professional and he's got some speed and some pop um the only question is going to be you know i mean how many running backs in the chiefs carry mm. um that said i mean i guess it needs to be said <laughs> um you know hey pacheco and gore are probably both guys that in the nfl today you can squeeze them onto a practice squad i mean those guys i don't think you have to worry about losing on a waiver wire or anything Mm -hmm. um that's just not where the league values that kind of thing so i mean i think that you can keep some guys around even if you only keep maybe three or four running backs um and guys are going to go down so it's a great depth move no problems with it i mean like i said mild surprise but it's, it's a good surprise i think for chiefs fans yeah, I think so, too, because I, I initially was surprised, and then I started kind of piecing it together, um, and I, God, I hate doing this, but I have to give a little credit to Seth, and we'll talk to him in a little bit, um, but I have to give a little credit to Seth, because what, what he what he figured out going through his, his Ronald Jones film review after that signing was like, oh, this guy can't be on the field in passing downs. <laughs> like, there's just, he, he just isn't there for that. He, he is, he is a, a different type of running back where you could put him out there on first and second down, but as a pass catcher, that has never been a part of his game, and a pass blocker is not something that he is. And so I, I found that interesting because of how they've used Edwards Elaire these last couple of years, where we kind of expected him to be more the third down guy. But then Darrell Williams was the third down guy. Well, then they let Darrell Williams walk, and then they draft Pacheco. But is Pacheco ready to be a NFL ready, you know, Patrick Mahomes protector on third and twelve? That seems kind of like 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 kind of a big swing. So I I have found myself only increasingly interested in that group as a whole. Um, and I'm, I'm curious kind of what you see the roles of those guys being. And then also, I mean, you know, and if, if, if Clyde gets hurt, I think we all agree that, that he's RB1 in this group, but he's missed time. If he misses time again, Ronald Jones on first and second down and Jarek McKinnon on third down and the younger guys fight for, the, for spot number three, that's an NFL caliber, probably in the lower half, but that's an NFL caliber functioning backfield, um, even without... Clyde there so I, I don't know I just the more time I spend thinking about the, the dynamics of the Chiefs backfield the more interesting it becomes to me yeah it, it is I mean and and I think you put a pretty good breakdown there I mean you're talking about a modern day NFL running back group what's it look like well if you're the Chiefs I mean you know it's hey, you got a running back number one that's Clyde you got a, a number two guy who you know f- fulfills a, a maybe a deficiency that your number one guy doesn't have and, mm-hmm. and with Ronald Jones I think you got a bigger guy that's maybe a little bit better in short yardage situations that was certainly the, something that the Chiefs you know steered away with Clyde I mean you know to the point where they're putting in Blake Bell in short yardage situations as their quarterback I mean yeah I mean, they they feel like there's, you know, better options there. Now we got Ronald Jones, who I think is going to be their short yardage guy, their goal line guy. Um, You usually have a third down back and it can play some special teams. That's Jarek McKinnon. Your fourth guy is going to be a special teams guy. And hey, Isaiah Pacheco, you know, hey, they're going to give him a chance to return kicks. But otherwise, he can be a special teams guy and be there for development. Um, Derek Gore, I mean, once again, I mean, practice squad kind of guy could be that. And, you know, you got Michael Burton, you know, is going to be there as a fullback. So that's your room. I mean, to a you know large extent, that's 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 a typical NFL running back room. I mean, um, you've you've it's not like there's no running back tree out there. 
that you can just go <laughs> and, and get 1600 yard backs. I mean, that's just not the way the NFL is. I mean, there's just too few of those guys and especially the way that they use the running backs today and how punishing that job is. I mean, you know, you, 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 you get guys and you use them. I mean, so then yeah. that's how it is. So, I mean, it's every, every, I think the best running back rooms in the NFL by and large are running backs by committee and chiefs have, I think a decent one at this point. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it's intriguing, and I'm, I'm sure it'll stay a, a fun conversation topic, hopefully, all the way into the season. Um, hopefully this one won't. In fact, we, we know it won't take exactly this form for the next month, because a month from now there will be some change, at least in a month and a day or two. Uh, anything new from you with Orlando Brown Jr.? We, we had the, the comments that came out through NFL Network and NFL.com. I think that was on Friday or Thursday, maybe. I think it was on Thursday. Um, that, that we talked about that on, on AES, and now we're kind of waiting around here and, and looking at, you know, he's got his agent now, but his agent's never done an NFL contract before. Brown reportedly views that as a positive. I, I don't know how the Chiefs feel about it. Um, we also have to acknowledge we are, again, because of the multiverses and the space-time continuum and all of that, it's a Monday-Tuesday, so if there's any significant information that maybe people learned on a Tuesday, we'd have no way of accessing that because of the way that we're manipulating time and space. So, um, with that with that being said, what what's your forecast on Orlando Brown Jr. at this point? Also, I think we're in prime territory for a, a percentage breakdown game, so we can we can get to that too, which is <laughs> got to keep the audience happy. Oh, the percentage breakdown is going to be crazy on this one. Yeah, it is because uh, I really don't know where to go with it. I mean, there's too many X factors at this point. I mean, like you said, you're you got a, a new agent that you got no track record on. Um, to really know how how do they operate, we don't really have a firm grasp. I don't think of what you know, exactly Orlando Brown wants, other than intimations that he wants to be the highest paid left tackle in the league or amongst the highest paid left tackles. And once again, I mean that can look a lot of different ways. Um, honestly, I mean if if the Chiefs were to give or offer Orlando Brown something similar to Trent Williams in the sense that maybe it's 62 million guaranteed for three years and a couple of fake, you know, three or three fake years on the end. So it looks like a six year, $138 million deal, but it's really three for 62. That wouldn't be the worst deal in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Orlando would sign that. I think I'd be willing to go that high for him, but you know, I don't know if the chiefs would necessarily go that high, but I mean, that's at least a a scenario that I think would make sense for both sides that I could see. But the question is going to be, I mean, you know, we're down to it. Basically, it's just a little over a month ago. By July 15th, you got to get it done. Yep. And to me, that's the only concern is that you've got an agent that hasn't done this before. It's a short window to get it done. And I think that just complicates matters. I know that this isn't a, a super simple question, but I'm going to maybe it's a simple question without a simple answer. But how do you see the Chiefs viewing Orlando Brown at this moment? What what do they view him as? That's a good question because, you know, I mean, at least just as what Andy Reid has said, I mean, they, they, they like Orlando Brown. I mean, he said that. They like him. Um, you know, do they view him as the best left tackle in the league? I, I don't – I have not had anybody tell me that. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you that that's exactly how that they view him. Should they view him as maybe one of the better left tackles in the league? Probably. Was he a good fit for them? Sure. 
Um, it's hard to say. I mean, and the Chiefs have been pretty cagey, you know, and, and rightfully so. I mean, they don't want to give away. They don't want to negotiate in public, even though it mm-hmm. certainly feels like Orlando and his agent are negotiating in public much more than the Chiefs are. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, honestly, concerns me a bit, too, because that's something, once again, that the Chiefs typically don't like. And seeing that on the other side, you know, how will the club react to that? I don't know. I, I really like that point, but partially because I find it I find it sort of annoying. Uh, where where look I, I understand also I I do that the Chiefs want to keep things as in house as possible. They don't benefit from there being you know more outside pressure, but maybe a player and agent potentially could. Or in this case, the thing that I'm confused by is is any sort of and I don't think you're necessarily doing this, but but any sort of assertion that like. Maybe the Chiefs were caught off guard by Orlando Brown Jr. wanting to be paid at least like amongst the highest paid tackles in football. I know he spent most of his time in Baltimore at right tackle, and then he played out the year though in this system on the left side all last year. Um, played good, maybe maybe not Trent Williams uh, reincarnated, but but good football at left tackle, a premium position. The, the Chiefs knew that there were going to be contract negotiations coming when they traded for him, obviously. Do you think anything changed there for for better or for worse last year or or even within the uh, the off season so far? I mean, I I think that the Chiefs generally should have at least seen what they needed to see from Orlando Brown. I mean, yeah. they knew they had a one year tryout and to see what happens and 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 the Chiefs were ready for any and all scenarios for this year. So nothing would have surprised them. I mean, hey, let's be real. There's guys on the practice squad in the NFL who, if they walked into an NFL GM's office, would tell them they deserve to be the highest paid player in the league at their position. <laughs> so right. that's not going to surprise anybody. Right. Um, but it's the matter of, hey, if we if the team doesn't offer to make you the highest paid player in the league, similar to the Tyreek situation, is the player going to take that as an insult? Mm. You know, and that's why, you know, sometimes these negotiations are so, you know, patty cake. Is that, you know, if you're a team, you don't want to necessarily throw a number out there that's going to insult the player because, you know, maybe you offer to make him only the third highest paid player in the league. How dare um, you? Exactly. So, hey, how would Orlando Rio react to whatever numbers that the Chiefs end up putting out there? I mean, that's we're down. Now we're down to it. So they're going to find out sooner or later. But. You know, I mean, it's I think they have got to have at this point seen enough to know that whether or not Orlando Brown's a player that they still want to have in their team. I mean, mm-hmm. they know what kind of a person he is. They've seen what kind of a player he is. The only thing that they don't really know is just how he's going to you know, handle a contract situation and if he will be happy regardless. Um, now, the Chiefs were prepared for him to play this season under the franchise tag under the salary cap. I mean, they've made that possible. So it's mm-hmm. not like. You know, having that sixteen point five million was unexpected. I mean, they were planning for that eventuality, uh, but you know, will Orlando play under that? We don't know. I mean, is it is it simply a renegotiation or bust? We don't know. I mean, that's the one thing that even Orlando hasn't really come out and told us flat out whether or not he would play this year under the franchise tag. It's almost unfair of me to ask. Do almost. it. I want you to. I it's, want you to. It's, it's so almost can, unfair for just me to so ask. I can pull some numbers out of thin air. <laughs> so, so what are the what are the breakdowns here? Because you've got long term extension coming within the next month. You've got uh, playing out the year under the franchise tag. I suppose you have sitting out the year or at least a, a prolonged holdout. Uh, what are our uh, what are our arrays of options? Yeah, I feel like I should at least break up a couple of those. I mean, you know, is it the chances that Orlando Brown misses games this year holding out? I'm going to put that at like 1%. I mean, that mm. just doesn't happen very often. 
I still think that, you know, the, the few times that it's happened have been bad miscalculations by the player. So, yeah, good point. Uh, not, not a lot of success stories from that strategy. Not a lot of success stories. So I'd say that's like 1%. Possibility that Orlando Brown misses part of training camp. That's probably slightly more likely, but uh, I'll put that at like maybe 3%. Oh, it's wow. Not, okay. No insight here. That's mm-hmm. just pure gut. It's pure gut speculation. I love me. a gut spec. Which, not my, not my, not my forte, but we'll go, we'll go with that. I love it. Which at that point, I mean, leaves you with trade. Okay, probably one percent. I mean, I don't think the Chiefs are gonna, you know, unload Orlando Brown just because they can't get something done. I mean, but it could happen. There's a multiverse where it happens, and he sure. goes to the, goes sure. to the Minnesota Vikings for draft picks. Oh man, real draft day scenes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still think the most likely scenario is that he gets a deal done, and I think that's like. 51%? Love it. I don't feel good about that, but like I said, it's more than likely. So 51, which leaves me with, I think, what, 44% left? I've got you with, yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think you got 44% left. Uh, 40, 44% playing under the tag seems a tad high, but that's what I've left myself. So I guess I'll go with that. I mean, 1%, I guess, also is the, the you know, um, turns his ankle on the tennis court while training, and <laughs> none of the above happens. So, all right, I'm adding tennis injury one percent as well, and I've brought down playing out the tag down to forty three. So I've I've kept your notes. I cannot wait to the incredible uh, uh, spreadsheets I'm going to need to retain to keep you updated on this on a week to week basis, assuming that it's not all hashed out in the next few days. So, uh, Matt, I appreciate your time as always, especially on a Monday, Tuesday. Feel free to give yourself a little extra time to to recover from this segment even more than you usually do um, just because the time distortions really can give you a bit of a time hangover the time distortions can be really rough whether they're they're multiverse or whether they're back to the future time changes they're both they're both draining both draining both have tremendous uh tremendous consequences the good news is chiefsdigest.com is on the internet so it's always going to be there for you chiefsdigest.com at matt derrick on twitter monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday uh sundays you get for free actually i believe is what he says matt derrick of chiefs digest thank you matt take care josh This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. We're in the pit of despair of the Chiefs. I'm not the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. Sorry. I don't even like that commercial. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. Seriously, just such good work. I know everybody we have on this show. I tell you does good work because we only have people who do good work on the show because we get to decide that. That's my judgment, you know, for what good work is and isn't. Uh, But ChiefsDigest.com is just such a good source for for everything you may want to know, particularly when you want to get the ins and the outs of OTAs and mini camps and and what he's seeing at practice and everything. Just a a tremendous resource. And, of course, following him on Twitter at Matt Derrick is an absolute no-brainer. Uh, there, there's a few more things that I wanted to, you know, get to within this chief scope over the, the course of the rest of the show. I, I'll start here, uh, you know, post Matt, pre Seth, Seth Kaiser, the chief of the North News Editor will join us here in just a few minutes. But going back to the Tyreek Hill podcast front, and then I'll ask Seth about a couple things there, and then I think we'll probably be about done with it. I don't, I don't begrudge it at all. I, I will say that the biggest surprise to me is that there was more content in that hour than I expected there to be. 
Uh, there was more said. Drew Rosenhaus said more than I expected. Tyree Kill put some more things out there than I expected. I also don't know that a whole lot necessarily changes in the grand scope of things. I, I do think that to Matt's points about the contract and um, you know going back to the previous extension that Tyree Kill signed, I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was some amount of disrespect in the money and the conversations and underutilized and talking about Tua and all of that. None of that really, really sticks with me. I, I think that what is interesting from the most sort of new, I mean, Matt explained this from his view too, but some of the stuff that's most interesting from the newsy sort of perspective, this ended up being a money issue. Miami was willing to pay. He wanted to be in Miami disrespect or not money or not podcast or not I don't think this changes how I feel about the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill splitting up in general if anything I think it's reasonable to point to uh to Tyreek Hill post Kansas City now as being a little bit messy not not horrible well you can be messy and great most players that are excellent end up being more reserved in public, but I was talking about this on uh, on Friday's home stretch with Sterling Holmes. You know, talking about Orlando Brown and saying, "Oh, the Chiefs don't want to go into this year without a you know a, with a with a backup left tackle. It's a bad year to do that." You could say, "Oh man, that's kind of cocky. I wish he would have just kept that to himself." Whatever. Hey man, I, I really do appreciate it when athletes are honest. I, I'll sit here and we'll hear some coach speak and I'll tell you it's coach speak. But then if I come back the next segment and say, hey, here this player was too honest. I, I think that's a little hypocritical. And so I, I don't want to do that for Tyreek Hill. I will say that I don't think that the things he has said publicly has made him look any better. That that would be sort of an interesting element of it to me. In addition to the fact that all this is planned for a basically a Friday 6 p.m. news dump rollout. That that I did think was kind of funny. Um, but he, he will obviously, look, he wasn't underutilized here. His stats weren't suppressed here. He maybe wanted more credit. Maybe wanted more money. Maybe in, in Miami, they gave him all the money, and they're going to give him all the credit. It's just going to be in part because he is a better talent than his quarterback, which wasn't true in Kansas City after Patrick Mahomes got here. Quarterbacks always get the advantage and whatnot, but but Tyreek Hill is a featured player in Miami, and maybe not not as much as Patrick Mahomes or to some extent Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. Whatever. Um, I don't think that Chiefs fans should have sour grapes from from it needed to be said. I would argue that it didn't need to be said, but we do have a little bit of a more clearer picture. I think we can kind of stop asking where things went wrong with the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill and. and you even heard in the podcast itself Andy Reid making a, a late call to try to really say, hey, do you want to be in KC or not? And Tyreek Hill saying, yes, they wanted to be in Kansas City. Sure, of course, yes. They emphasize that over and over. Ultimately, it's a podcast from one side. I think there is some useful information, way more stuff in there than I again, thought we were going to get. I figured that 80% of that podcast is probably going to be about Miami and 20% might be about some trade stuff. So I think there's interesting things in there and again no reason to bring sour grapes along with it it also doesn't necessarily totally change the the picture of either Tyree Kill's trade or the greater podcast game in general regardless though kind of interesting and uh, worth talking about with Matt Derek maybe even worth touching on with our friend Seth Kaiser of the Chief of the North newsletter he'll join us next here on a Seth Kaiser Tuesday on Almost Entirely Sports <laughs> <laughs> 